Welcome to episode 475 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 475 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan, and you? I'm fantastic. Do you know why I'm fantastic? Well, you tell me. It's not early in the morning. We're normally up it's at not. six and five, four in the morning. And today yeah, it's, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. It's a Monday afternoon, so we're some of the news is only just as there's still people out there racing in Ironman Boulder today, and they haven't even finished yet. We're still because we're recording early, so some of this is hot off the press. Well, I'm I'm doing some work for the government, John. They're flying me around the country. I'm talking for the government. You know, you've made it when the government pays you to talk. So, so I had to record early today, so that's why we're here today a little bit earlier. But as John says, we'll we'll get the results to you. The pros are finished, surely. They are finished indeed. The pros. Well, they're, in fact, they know they're not because there weren't even any pros at Boulder. Oh, of course. Another, another non-pro race. It's a bit, of, a bit of a bummer, really, isn't it? Well, I know we're getting off topic a little bit here. Well, we haven't, sort of we haven't even done the intro, but yeah, go, go. But, um, yeah, no, I had some guys racing at uh, Lake Placid last weekend, and they did feel that there was less of a vibe there without the pros there because there just wasn't the local media interest. They felt that, that just the expo didn't have the same sort of buzz to it. So whilst I was sort of saying in the Kona 70.3, I didn't really notice too much difference at the big bigger Ironmans. They said, yeah, there was there was a difference without the pros there. There wasn't just quite that same level of buzz going on. It's still a great event, but just, uh, yeah, I think they've done the right move by, um, by bringing back some pro races to North America. Well, I think the other thing about Kona, John, was you were there. And so everyone would have been like, wow, John Newsom's here. That's true. You know, so that they, would have been part of their planning. Who needs Crowey when Newsom's here? Exactly. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Uh, your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Okay, John, we'll name a few of them. Raymond Grandmaster Panerio. We've got James Corleo Corlett. Des, the Seagull Atkinson. Nice. We've got Shane, the Trendsetter Reeves. And Natalie, the Energy Source Gaskin. Uh, plug her in. Plug her in. Oh, She's God. the Energy Source. <laughs> okay, this week, don't, don't even go there. I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going there. <laughs> I was not thinking that way at all. So this week's show is a little bit of a different show. We've got some news, and then we've got two interviews today. John, who are they with? So we hopefully we'll have Rich Allen on tomorrow, or Richard Allen, as many of you Pommy listeners will know. Um, in the news, we're going to have the announcement about a new pro triathlon union, and he is the man in charge of that. And then we're also going to talk, where we talked with Scott Molina last week, about Keltman. Yeah, which is really interesting, wasn't it, talking to Scott about that? And then we've got a few questions and answers at the end. Uh, Jumbo, the news. So, first of all, big piece of news this week is we had Norseman Extreme Triathlon and the swim got shortened. It did. So last week we were talking about uh, how the, 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 the swim was forecast to be pretty damn cold and it was so cold that they decided to cut the swim in half. That being said, when I saw how cold the water actually was, I think it was 10.9 degrees Celsius. Americans, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Bevan, you can figure it That's out. That's my job. I'm it doing it right now. bloody freezing. So to swim 1.9 Ks in that 
temperature. I can't even comprehend that. So it's 50, well done. 50 degrees. Yeah, it is. Celsius. Freezing. Freezing. Uh, so well done to everybody who finished there. Up on top, we had, on the girls' side of things, we had Kristen Lee or Lai from Royal Sport. She did 11 hours and 50 minutes. So to give you guys an idea of what sort of splits they do in Norseman, the swim was only 36 minutes, but that's still a long time to be in that bloody cold water. But she biked 6.32 and then her run was 4.36. Pretty close race, only three minutes in front of Lynn Foss and then on the guys side of things we had a very close race as well we had Alan Hovda uh, Hovda, yep, and beating Lars Peter Stormo by only 6 minutes uh, 9.43 they, um, Alan swam 31 biked 5.24 and then run was 3.43 Pretty impressive that time eh? I know this one was short but Far out, Brussels sprout. That's pretty smoking fast, isn't it? Tough day at the office. And um, Alan Hovder, he had um, good old Rasmus Henning on his support crew. And apparently, the, you know, apparently it was all, they had their tactics all nicely done. And he's a smaller guy, so he knew he'd be able to maybe, probably take it on the run. And he had Rasmus doing that last part of the run with him. Are you allowed to do and, that? Are you allowed to have someone run the last part? Pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I'm just making things up. No, because it kind of says that. It says. Um, I'm sure you have to have a team on Saturday included legendary Danish professional Rasmus Henning, who joined Hover as a support crew for the last section of the run, which begins the long uphill 25 kilometer of the road known as Zombie Hill and finishes at the top of the rocky uh, Gusten Toppend Mountain. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm pretty sure it is. You have you have your running partner for the last part of the run. They often so. do in ultra marathons, don't they? There's, where you, there's, there's like, what's that one that's up in North Island? It's a massive. Ultra, they get like a thousand people doing it. Don't know, I'm drawing blanks. Uh, well, you can, you've, you know, I think it's like 160 k's. Yeah, you can get someone to join you for the last 10 k. So nice. Mm. And then uh, on the girls' side of things, it was yeah, it's good close race. So really the key to Lee's success, the Norseman first timer said it was hot chocolate in her Camelback, given her uh, at the top of the climb to the plateau, where temperatures were in the small single digits and patches of snow still cling to the mountainsides. That does sound like an epic day at the office. That sounds like a very epic day at the office. Jombo, we also had some other results happening over the weekend. We had ADH Triathlon. The Alp Duez Triathlon. And we had, it was good to see old uh, good old Scott DeFilippis finishing in third place there. It was another really tight race. Arno Guillot from France was 5 hours 55. James Kanama was in second. I reckon every time we say his name, we should do the Muppets thing. Okay, do it. <laughs> James Kananama. And then Scott DeFilippis was in third, but only 23 seconds behind James. And then it was only another 30-odd seconds to fourth place, and then only another minute to fifth. So four minutes, That's less than cool. four minutes, covering the top five guys. Good stuff. Yeah, we also had... I'm looking forward to climbing that next year. What about girls? Girls, Girls, Mary Beth Ellis got taken down by Emma Pooley. Emma Pooley finished in 6.21, Mary Beth Ellis 6.27, and Janine Colong in third in 6.36. Fantastic race. I've watched it on YouTube when I've been on the trainer recently, just the French version of that, and, uh, man, it looks like a cool, cool race to go and do. Okay, we also had the Netherlands. We had the Ironman Netherlands happening. Bas Diederen took it out. He was the race favourite. Swam 46, biked 4.43, ran 2.51 for 8.27. So he's had a pretty busy season. He raced in 
um, Frankfurt, where he finished in, I think it was fourth place. And then he had raced in South Africa, where he's maybe in, a, I think he was in sixth place. So Frankfurt was only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't yeah, it? It wasn't that long ago. So to turn around and then uh, race again, pretty impressive. He beat out, man, he's another fantastic European name here, uh, Ode Benick Mark, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, no, but... Mark Ode Benick yeah. uh, was in 8.35. And then Alberto... Cassidy was in third and 8.34. Girls side of things, Yvonne Van Verken um, won pretty comfortably, but she had a pretty slow run for her, only ran 3.21 for a finished in 9.39.24, which is a pretty slow time for her. She's over you know, an hour, 12 minutes behind the first guy. She's usually a bit better than that. And the girl Has that she I said been to, racing a lot lately? Oh, she has. Yeah. She, well, she won, uh, didn't she win Road? Yeah. 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 So, and again, Wright was only yeah. a few weeks ago. So maybe she's just saving herself. Because she'll be in Kona. She'll be in Kona for sure. No and Sarissa DeVeers, who I predicted was going to step it up, former ITU girl, she finished in second place, but looked like she struggled a bit on the run there as well. Third place? Third place, Carla Van Ruen. So really the Dutchies dominating the dojo. Dutchies, okay, we said Iron Man, Boulder, no pros. Do we give them love, John? I think we probably should. Maybe we only give the first. If you're in a non-pro race, only first gets love on the show. How about, I'm going to actually I'm going to give the top three love here because oh, you know uh, they're the sub nines. No, three sub nines. I don't. Oh, okay. Run run times were slow, but bike times were fast. For Clay Imge, who won overall, 58 swim, not the fastest, you know, in terms of age group racing. 4:29 on the bike, 3:09, 8:45. That's pretty impressive. And then second, Steve Mantle, and third, Steve Johnson. All those three boys went under nine hours. That's good work. Good times, rock and roll. Good times, rock and roll. And we better get the girls you up here one, as well. one for the girls, is it? Yeah, <laughs> we won't even mention the girls. <laughs> Joke. Well, no, hold on. She, a sub sub ten performance. Nice, Francesca Tebaldi from Italy in nine fifty three. Second, Monica Foltz, and third, Heather Golnick. In third place, she used to be a pro. Yeah, she did, didn't oh, she? I bet you there's going to be some controversy around that. How old's the Golnick? She oh. was racing for ages 45 to 49 from Steamboat Springs. Uh. She's a business owner. She used to be a uh, regular top uh, pro athlete. Oh, there'll be some people spewing who don't oh. get their kind of slots because of that. Oh, no. John, what are they going to do? Philippines 70.3 happened. Well, I've got to give this race a bit of love because we often go on about, well, I often go on about races, you know, you've got these pro athletes and you're never mentioning them or anything like that at your races. It was what This race, you know, sent me an email and you see them posting stuff. and they have these field. Ah, oh, quality field. All right, yeah. And, and good had, race. Had these massive big billboards with all the pro athletes on it and just making a real big effort. And uh, sprint finish race, Tim, Tim Burkle uh, and Tim Reid, two seconds covering them. Tim Reid took it out from Tim Burkle and Brent McMahon. So quality field. Then you had Craig Alexander there. You had Luke McKenzie, Pete Jacobs, Sam Benton, Clayton Fatale. Um, it seems as though, like I haven't read the race report, but it seems like it was shoulder to shoulder all day. Yeah, we had a little group that got off the front on the bike um, with uh, Tim Reid, Tim Burkle and Brent McMahon and there might have been somebody else off the front as well. And then uh, Brent McMahon didn't quite have the, the legs to hold on on the run this time. But the other things that I was reading about the race is 
spectacular support. Apparently, the crowds just go mental, yeah. and the pros are sort of saying they've never seen crowds like it. it's like Tour de France, you know, oh, really? all the way around the bike course. And wow. they've, they've been rewarded. Uh, they're now going to host the 70.3 Asia Pacific Champs there in Cebu in the Philippines. So I've raced there once before. God, it was, must have been about 99 or something like that I raced there, and uh, you really get looked after. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of field they draw in terms of the age groupers. You know, they always draw a good um, pro field if it's an Asia-Pacific champs because the money's pretty reasonable, good points. But it'll be interesting to see how many age groupers actually uh, stump up and, and make the trip over to the Philippines. Okay, you, you tell me um, how many uh, – tell me the girls race, and I'll tell you how many people race this race. I was only about 400. Yep. Uh, Caroline Stephan took out the girls' race uh, despite apparently having a bit of a crash on the bike. So good on her. And Beth Gerds took out the uh, second place. And Dimity, Dimity Lee Duke took out third place. Belinda Granger got in sixth place. Well, she was up right, right up there in the bike. She rode the same bike time as Caroline Stephan. I know that Caroline Stephan uh, fell off, but uh, Belinda Granger still got it. Struggled a bit on the run, but pretty good. Belinda, hey, hey, oh, Belinda. Okay, Jumbo. Um, lots of results today. Eh? Um, what we've got coming up? We've got we've got the no WCC races, but we've got the Coastman Norway. Yep. So Norway is cranking out the races. Had um, the Norseman this week, which is a nice flat race, and then it looks like a new race, the Coast. Man Norway, uh, if more of a flatter race and just looks like it's going to have a, a half and a full and a teams race. So things are happening in Norway. I'm going to cough. You just say something for a second. Okay. Small piece of news. Anybody going to wants to get to 70.3 Worlds next year, there's, they've got an extra 25 slots at Taupo 70.3, which is good because it's going to be bloody hard to qualify because there's one race in New Zealand to qualify and the Worlds are in Australia next year, and so there's only going to be a few slots per age group, so they will be hardly sought after. Are you going to do it? No. Why not? Um, you were 70.3s. If you, if you went hardcore at 70.3s... Where do you get in the world? I don't know. The main main reason I don't want to go is it's it's just doesn't it's not a course that appeals to me. That's the main reason. Um, it's a world championship, John. You yeah, could say I'm top dra- three in the world. It's going to be the seventy point three world draft championships. Doesn't matter. Just draft well. It That's does. the key. You're a good yeah. swimmer. No, You'd be no. at the front of that draft pick. You know, it's rotate I'm, around everyone. I'm, I'm prote- protesting by having uh, by poor race selection this year. Giving them a thumbs up. They've got an awesome course over there in. Austria next year, Sunshine Coast, not so good. They stay at the start, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do, but it'll still be a draft fest. John. Doesn't appeal to me. John, you can redeem your Hawaii. No, <laughs> I'm saying no. Okay, we've got some big news, guys. The big news really this week is that there has been announced a new pro triathlon union. Uh, you'll hear more about this. John's doing an interview with uh, Rich. Um, later on in the show today, Rich Allen. But at the same time, basically, looks like the pros has got together and they're trying to have a bit of a voice out there, John. Now, we, when we—it's funny when we first started the show, Olaf. Remember Olaf? Yep, Olaf. Yep. So when we first started, I am talk, which is ten years ago, a similar thing was trying to be started and it didn't really go anywhere. So, what's the plan here, John? And what's your thoughts? And is this actually going to be something that we'll see in the long term? Well, I think the big differences, and we're going to hear that what, what they're trying to achieve later on, the big differences here that I can see is you've got a guy, Rich Allen, who's a former top pro athlete um, who's now doing sports management, So, and he's not an active athlete. 
and then he's got a whole team of very good names behind him. And I think that's the key is, A, you've got someone who's actually going to be working at it. That's I think, as we'll find out later in the show, is actually going to be an employee rather than just somebody trying to do it on the side with family, with racing and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be his job. But then they've got a fantastic lineup of athletes behind him in terms of you know, people like um, Rachel Joyce, Miranda Carfrey, Tim O'Donnell, Sebastian Keenlay, Jodie Swallow, um, Mary Beth Ellis, Pete Jacobs, Dirk Bockle. They've got it, and that, this is basically their their board. So they've, I think they've got an executive board and then a sort of a larger board. So I think it's going to be fantastic. They're going to have some power to actually try to make some change, and it's great to see that that Challenger behind them. And one of the things that Challenger are going to be doing is from the first of uh, January next year. Uh, next year they if you want to do a challenge race you need to be a member of the pro triathlon union so they're really getting in behind it and supporting it so yeah we'll find out more later on but i think it's a fantastic initiative and the fact they've got a good group of pros in behind it i think it's gonna gonna get some movement how big a difference they can make uh, against the wtc is going to be really interesting to see whether they can use their their unionized power to actually uh bring in any change interesting times ahead yeah, really interesting, John. It's, it's, I'm looking at the website right now. It's very much a paid-for service. So mm-hmm. it seems like the pros pay and sign up to be a part of the union, which is like any union, I suppose. But um, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of clout that they can get because if they get all the people behind them, you know, right now the pros really have no say. You know, WTC mm. can kind of say, oh, we, we're listening. But at the end of the day, it's Big Brother telling you what to do. Um Will this have influence? Fingers crossed because, you know, it would be really good for our pros to have a bit more of a voice in the sport they do. So I'll be interested mm-hmm. to hear the interview, John. Yes. John's ITU update. We had Rio test event happen last weekend. John, by what happened? Well, it literally happened, again, because we're recording on a Monday. It was happening this morning, New Zealand time. So Rio de Janeiro, Olympics next year. The race is going to be held at some stage. I couldn't find the exact date, but the Olympics are between the 5th and the 21st of August. So it is at this time of the year. And as all of you guys that uh, follow sports news of late, in the last week or so, there's been a lot of controversy around the, the water quality around Rio yeah. de Janeiro. It's sewer-like, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds diabolical in places. Just, it's just, they've just got a terrible sewer system. It just. Just go straight into the water. Spit it out. Spit it out. Yeah. So, um, so the, for you guys, it was it was a real struggle to actually find out much information on this race. Um, but I did some digging last week. The swim is on the Coco Cabana, and apparently the water quality there is actually pretty good compared to the rest of the area around Rio. And they, the ITU, do regular testing, and apparently it does fall within the correct ranges. And Slow Twitch had an article on this um, yesterday. Or the day before and I think it was sort of on again off again but the area where they actually swim apparently the water quality was uh, within their acceptable um, ranges the thing with the swim there that could make it really interesting is that it is a beach rather than a um, any flat piece of water so the potential for surf is is really? real which could make for a really interesting race do they have that often nowadays um, here and there but that would add a the picture on slow twitch i don't know if it's the same beach or not but there was a massive wave coming in that would make the race very very interesting uh and then the bike course it was quite hard to tell but i even went to the stages of uh plotting it on one of the bike 
um, sort of plotting GPS type maps and I was going that looks like a pretty decent hill in there and they've got this what looks to be a really short sharp steep hill uh, on every lap of the bike and they do eight 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 laps oh wow so I don't think it's it's not like Athens, but it's enough where it looks Mixes pretty it short and sharp and like thirteen to fifteen percent. So it could uh, should be a fantastic race to watch. The results came in this morning and kind of interesting. Alistair Brownlee blew up. Um, Gomez ended up taking the race. They got a nice little breakaway on the on the bike. Gomez took it from uh, Louis Vincent and Richard Allen had not Richard Allen. Richard Murray stormed through on the run for the fastest run of the day, which is good to see. So yeah, I think. Probably the big story of the day was uh, Alistair Brownlee blowing up for whatever reason. It does sound like it was pretty hot, but it's going to be hot next year, so we'll see how he can how he can cope with it next year. No no major surprises on the girls' side of things. Uh, we had Gwen Jorgensen dominating the dojo relatively comfortably. Uh, did only win by 20 seconds, but uh, she beat Non Stanford out and Vicky Holland in the third place. For a lot, a lot of countries here, this, this race was... A, important to go and check out the race venue, but also really important um, for some of them because they booked their Olympic tickets. So I know that Gwen Jorgensen and Sarah True from America have, I'm pretty sure, booked their tickets. And for some of the Great Britain athletes, um, this was stage one of a two-stage process for qualifying. You had to do well here, and then you have to do well at the World Champs finale in Chicago. So Non Stanford and Vicky Holland have sort of got themselves in the, the box position for the girls. Wow, so it sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting times this time next year. Mm-hmm. Hey. Olympics. Well, what's better than the Olympics? Well, I wonder what's going to be timelines for us, like, you know, as in regards to the time of day. I think it'll be pretty – it'll be early morning stuff yeah. because this triathlon was on live this morning. Yeah, it'll be pre- – I think we're going to have some early morning starts. Because I have to say – the London Olympics, they were sensational. And I had to go overseas for work in week two and thank God I was because I was starting to lose my – I was becoming a zombie. <laughs> I, I, was, I was staying up till like three in the morning and I'd have to get up at five and I was doing it day after day. And then I just had to go away for work. And, I was, and in some ways I was glad because it was just awesome. I love watching the Olympics. It'll actually be really, no, it'll be really good for us because evening events will be – Morning events for us in New Zealand. Yeah, it will be. Won't it? Just be morning events over there. That'll be a bit of a struggle. Well, oh, I'm a couple of weeks about sleep, John. A couple of weeks. Hey, who cares if they're all dragging on the track and field as well? Yeah. You know, <laughs> makes it makes it fun. <laughs> well, how long do you reckon it's going to be before we hear about tennis? Because I reckon they they come on. When we look at tennis, like you look at a game of tennis, some of those top guys to play for five hours, mm. and they play an explosive sport. You know, cardiovascular sport for five hours. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's going to be too far away. I'm worried about the golfers. How long do the golfers play? Oh, that John Daly. He's got to be on something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, John, let's do the discussion of the week before we put the ad in. Discussion of the week. Okay, Uh, Last week's discussion was, basically, what are you listening to right now? You know, at the end of the day, we we, we often do triathlon-related stuff, but we just want to hear, what are you listening to that's non-triathlon related when you're out there training or just in life in general? John, you can go first. Lou de Giuseppe. Love you, Lou. Never listen to anything except the cars coming up from behind me, ready to kill me. I'm what? hearing you, Lou. I'm he's, hearing he's you. survived so far. So far. Right. Christine McKinley has got for the trainer. It has to be my trancey playlist, a mix of Gatecrusher albums, Ministry of Sound, and Hard a Hard House, etc. High energy music, higher motivation, just endurance and health podcasts that probably everyone else listens to for most other things. Pavel Chalices, love your comment too. You listen to Rich Roll. 
He hasn't done a triathlon in ages. Also, I recently go for trail runs more, and then I just enjoy the sound of nature. Love it, Pablo. Love it. Look, get some music and mixes. So no, you yeah. don't. Mike Parrot, I think it's going to say. Hey, hey, reckon it's Parrot. I'm loving Mike's. Yeah. Podcast non triathlon stuff you should know. That's I haven't listened to that, but Joe listens to it and she loves it. Stuff you missed in history class, hardcore history, which is a big favorite of mine. Uh, Freakonomics, which is all good. Uh, sore bones. I also listen to I Am Talk podcasts, a podcast mainly about New Zealand weather and cricket and some rugby updates. <laughs> it's a cricket updates. We got we got beaten overnight by bloody Zimbabwe. I know, but then the Poms beat the Australians in three days. Yeah, oh, and do you, do you guys want a weather update? Do you want a weather update? It's the middle of bloody winter in New Zealand, and I'm sitting here with my window open. Bevan's got his T-shirt on, yep, and it's about 20 second. degrees in the middle of winter. Tropical, eh? Tropical. Matthew, Matthew well, he's Wolverine, isn't it? Jackman. He's got uh, any sports biography or history-based audiobooks, Endurance Planet, do some good non-triathlon-based podcasts, and Bevan's other podcasts as well. Nice your work, Matthew. Boom, boom. Robert Bieland, BBC documentary, Economist, Babbittville, Freakonomics, and when the going gets tough, trance or punk music. Stu Barrington. He took photos of all of his podcasts. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm not naming him, Stu, but it, that was commitment, I have to say. Um, I've got Ian Sainsbury uh, on the turbo. I watch TBM films, uh, and when I'm running, I listen to Pod Runner for great music and BPM. Arno, I can I can rely on my regulars like Arno as well. Basically, nothing. I just feel the environment around me being crazy Singapore or a quiet French mountain trail. I'm hearing you. Oh, good old, good old Tony West mixes of RPM and body textile music. That's my world, John. Nice. Usually starts with the quieter songs for the first 20, 30 minutes. Then have a song that's mental time to work switch. Yeah. So Robert Trotman says Headspace app and the website headspaceapp.com. Oh, I use that. Um, I use that every meditation day. Meditation and mindfulness, 10 to, 10 to 15 minute sessions that are graduated through levels to help me unload when I get home and on the trainer, the bike trainer, Incubus and Metallica for the hammer. Jumbo. So Headspace is this meditation app. I, I've done a, a form of meditation my whole life, and this year I set a goal of learning another type of meditation. So I download Headspace, and I and I, they you pay, I don't know it pays seventy bucks for the year, and um, and they have this thing where you kind of if you do it every day, you kind of oh no, you just get momentum. And so I'd gone one hundred and eighty five days because mm-hmm. I wanted to go the whole year without missing a day, mm-hmm. and then I just forgot one day. So oh, I picked, I picked the, like day five. Is that the same day you slept in. Must have been. It must have been because I normally do it in the morning. So it probably yeah. was that day. Yeah. Um, I'll go with Tim Ford. I listen to Weekly Planet Pod, all things comic books, movies, and TVs. So, guys, if you're looking for any uh, inspiration. Oh, Michael Kennedy, fitness behavior. Great one. Yeah, good one. How often do you do that anyway? What's that? How often do you do that? Fortnightly. I've gone to Fortnightly recently. Right. If I get more patrons, I'll go to Weekly. <laughs> I've told them that. Just be a patron of that, I am talk. I don't really listen to anything, so I can't contribute. But if you guys are listening to want to find some new ideas, just go to our Facebook page and there's lots more. We read out a few, but there's loads more on there where you guys can find some new stuff to listen to. Keep yourself motivated when you train. Do you not listen to anything ever? No. I watch stuff when I'm on the train, eh? but that's watching things, uh, Mm. watching TV stuff and sports. Okay, I'm going to give my top five podcasts. Never Not Funny. Never Not Funny is with Jimmy Pardo. And Jimmy Pardo is this guy, he's a bit of a Don Rickles kind of character, kind of likes giving people a bit of a ribbing. Um, and at first, I have to admit, he's a bit of an acquired taste. But if you listen to three or four shows of his, 
it's the, the podcast where I laugh out loud the most. Hardcore history is, is homework for everybody. Um, Mark Kermode's movie reviews, highly recommend it. Um, this Week in Twit, which is a technology podcast. And lastly, I'm going to say, what's something that's a bit more obscure? Because lots of those ones everyone will know. Um, oh, there's a really great one called Fitness Behavior with Kevin James Oh, We've got this other one called Legends of Triathlon. <laughs> oh, yeah, Legends of Triathlon. Um, yeah, yeah I, I listen to a lot of content. Yeah, books. I love listening to books. This is a really good book the other week. What's the book I listened to? Top, I listened top to four is fine. Top four is fine. In a Game of Tennis. That was quite good. Minus eating. I'm interviewing that host for my podcast the next week. So, cool. yeah, go check it out. Okay, guys. Right here, this guys. Week's discussion. No, oh, this week's discussion. Yes, it's Olympic time. Well, it's not Olympic time. Olympics are one year away exactly. We've had the test event. So, who is going to be the medalists for the Rio Olympics next year? There's got to be someone that's going to come in as a surprise. It's got to be some surprises. Top three, Rip. male and female. Top field three, male and female. You've got to say that Gwen Jorgensen, if you didn't pick her for gold, I mean, goodness, she's going to have to fall off her bike or get some sort of injury. Alistair Brownlee, though. Can we see the first Olympics where we get the same medals as the last time? uh, For the men's. That's a potential on the the girls' side of things. What do we have on the girls' side of things last Olympics? No, because haven't they all... I'll probably... I'm not going to put my name name on it because I'll get it all completely wrong. You got a lot of emails about getting that wrong from the Australian We got two or three. Oh, John, I've had a thousand this week. I just... I got sick of getting them. I didn't forward them to you. Saving (laughs) you. So who is going to be top three male and top three female in the next Olympics? There's got to be some... Some surprises in there. Alistair Brownlee's just washed up. You know, he only finished tenth. He's he's history. He's all over. Say goodbye to Brownlee. That's a new saying. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't not because he's leading the pack anymore. It's because he's at the back of the pack. Yeah. Okay, Jumbo. We're going to interview Sandy from Extreme Endurance right now, so we're going to check that in right now. Right, guys, so it's been a while, but we haven't had uh, Sandy from Extreme Endurance on the show. But they've got, uh, as well as their fancy new packaging, uh, you will have heard us talk about uh, the new product, Fuel 5. And we've sort of tried to give our um, interpretation of what it's all about, but Sandy's going to give us the, the real inside scoop. So welcome back to the show, Sandy. Well, glad to be back, John, and, and thanks for having me. So t- tell us about, uh, I guess, the first the, the motivation um, around this product, Fuel 5. You know, it started, uh, we, we really wanted to have a good drink, uh, a carbohydrate drink, but but when you uh, start looking at all the competitors on the market and what's going on and the taste factor, because I know the triathletes, uh, your, your group of people, they're more sensitive to taste. I mean, there was so much to look at, and we honestly, we spent over a year. And I, I wanted to come up with a, with a drink that worked for virtually all sports, but we really want to emphasis on your big endurance uh, uh, side of it. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to come up with something that's going to give you quick energy, and we wanted something that was going to be complex carbohydrates to give you extended energy. And we uh, so we came up with four different types of carbohydrates, and then we added, a, of course, a lactate, which we love as a you know real quick fuel source. And uh, then we added something uniquely different. We added organic sweet potato. Uh, very uh, starch, as you know, is a is a huge uh, carbohydrate, and that's also part of the blend. And so it's a unique product. I don't think anyone else in the world that we're aware of has actually uh, used organic sweet potato or sweet potato of any sources as part of a carbohydrate source. But 
yeah, we're the first ones to do that. We like to be leaders in, in, uh, in lots of things, and we think we're going to uh, knock people's socks off with this product. And on the, on the taste side, uh, John, is, is, is I'm sure you heard you know, a lot of triathletes saying, you know, I don't like this because it's too sweet or this is too strong as we get going on. So this, when, you're, when, you're, when someone uses this product, it's a, it's a wild berry three berry you know flavor mm-hmm. it's almost like drinking i'm going to say kool-aid okay <laughs> nice. it's, it's it's very it's very thin it's 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 refreshing and it's a very light it's not a strong taste at all and so uh you know we just mix it you know you can mix it with one scoop with four ounces or one or two scoops with eight ounces or uh, a lot of our triathletes like to make it in 16 ounces. But, again, the taste is something that is going to be refreshing. It's not uh, towards the end of a long ride. It's not going to be sensitive to you. And that was, uh, that was a huge thing that we had to try to accomplish, and uh, we did it really well. And, and I have to tell you, <laughs> it, uh, we sold out the first batch literally in a matter of two days. And uh, – so the uh, the response to it has been fantastic. We were at the uh, World Championship CrossFit Games in California this past weekend for three days, four days, and uh, a lot of the athletes there had been using uh, Fuel Five for uh, uh, a number of weeks. We introduced it uh, mid June, and we just got rave reviews. And it's the second biggest selling product, of course, to Extreme Endurance. Extreme Endurance is you know, is, is always going to be the cornerstone for any athlete. And mm. so, yeah, we're, we're, we're really excited about it. Um, in terms yeah. of the dose, you know, in terms of for, for specifically for triathletes, is this a product that you're going to use, say you go out for a, a five-hour bike ride, is this a product that you're going to use, or, or say you're in an Ironman race, is this yeah. something you're going to use consistently through the bike ride, like go through five bottles of it, or is it, uh, is it slightly different to how we might normally drink sports drinks? No, I, I would think that's exactly what you do. If you're going to be on the bike for a long time like that, mm-hmm. yeah, you absolutely want to have that and use it as a, a fuel source because it will. It, yeah, and you'll notice a, you'll notice it when you use it because it does allow you those five different forms or excuse me, four different forms of carbohydrates and and putting lactate in constantly in your body like that is 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 a huge help. So yeah, it's. It's a, it's pretty special, and I I think once someone uses it, they're going to say, "Wow, this is this is unique. This is great." So cool. Yeah. And you're telling me before we came on here um, about some of the other studies that have come out that you've been doing, um, and also some of the teams you've been working with, and they've had some pretty awesome results. Yeah, it's you know, uh, Jurgen Cessner did our our first clinical study for us in regards to measuring lactic acid and the buffering of, of those hydrogen ions, the acid in our muscles. And, uh, you know, he was, he's been blown away, and, and you and I may have discussed, he's probably done 9,000 stress tests. You know, he has huge uh, triathlon camps in Spain each, each winter. And he came over a year ago in, in January, and we wanted to do a test to measure uh, uh, muscle trauma and recovery of muscle trauma. And we did it with 31 athletes <clears throat> just over one week, which was, you know, a short study, but we wanted to do it and see what happened. And uh, the results were um, amazing. When I went back to Jurgen, I said, hey, can you give me the numbers? And he goes, I need, I need some more time because I don't know that I've, I've really got this right. And uh, a few days later, he sends me an email. He goes, uh, this, is, this is hard to believe, but uh, 
these are the numbers. And the numbers were after one week's usage, we lowered the trauma of the muscles, the creatine kinase, by almost 64%, which is which is really in the in the sports in the uh, sports world is amazing. It's unheard of. And uh, and Jurgen uh, uh, Cessner was a uh, strength coach in the Bundesliga in the German one first division Bundesliga for 10 years. And so he reached out to Jurgen Klingsmann, who is the U.S. national team soccer coach, and uh, sent him the results. And Klingsmann came back the next day and said a thousand thank yous. Mm-hmm. And so our U.S. men's soccer team went in the World Cup. Uh, using the product, and uh, the woman uh, women's team has been also using extreme endurance products, uh, and it's yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, I can't imagine any one of your listeners not using extreme endurance be, just for the recovery side of it, and less muscle trauma, and they're just gonna be a lot less sore. It's 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 a remarkable product, and we are shocked as developers of it that it's not in every bag uh, workout bag in the world, but. A lot of people, well, most people who use it, I don't know about you, John, mm. they don't really want to tell their competitors that they're using <laughs> the product. And so it's uh, it's frustrating for us that we have this product so good that people use it that don't want to tell their competitors, and it's understandable. Yeah, yeah nice. Awesome. We love it. Um, we use I use it regularly when I'm in uh, racing mode, and uh, we just get so much good feedback. So, Sandy, thanks as always for your time, and uh, happy to have you back on the show. We'll get you back a little bit sooner next time. Great. Look forward to it, and, and thanks for your time, John. John Bo, we've got an interview coming up with Richard Allen from Pro Triathlon Union, and it is protriunion.com. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about what they're doing right now, and John's doing the interview, so away we go. Right, guys, as you heard earlier in the show, um, we've now got the Pro Triathlon Union up and running. You guys can check it out at protriunion.com. Um, one of the guys on the board is, or the, the chairman of the board, is Richard Allen, Rich Allen, who's an athlete or past athlete with a ridiculous amount of experience. For about 20 years, he was racing as a, as a junior and as a pro. I remember the days watching you know, Hamish Carter and Brad Bevan and Simon Lessing sort of banging it out and World Cup races and Rich was uh, often there or thereabouts and has won numerous races, uh, won European titles um, and a whole bunch of other things as well. So um, Rich, welcome along to the show. Thanks John, thanks, thanks for having having us on board and uh, look forward to answering some questions. So t- tell us how this all came about because um, Bevan and I talked earlier on the show about many years ago, um, Olaf Schabustis from Germany sort of set up a little triathlon union type thing and it was sort of him doing the the legwork and it kind of fizzled out for for a number of reasons I think and um, we've seen sort of various attempts of this you know I know that back in the day in the 80s or 90s they tried to get sort of a the triathletes guild together so how did this all come about and how did your involvement um, become apparent? Yeah well I mean I, I wasn't actually involved in it initially this was uh, pretty much the, the board members that you see were the the founding group that really got together at Challenge Bahrain and and started discussing, you know, issues with the sport and and you know could it be changed and developed and so it was very much these guys that put the group together and uh, you know I was friends with quite a lot of them and some of them asked me if um, you know that they knew I'd recently retired and I also run a a sports marketing and consultancy business and they asked if I I would help them set it up so 
you know, from my point of view, it's it's something I've always been so passionate about is is the state of the pro sport, and you know, it's actually gone downhill, not not uphill, and mm. you know, the the participation's gone up, but the you know the the pro world has has really deteriorated, and you know, I, I retired two years ago, really quite in a sad state you know i was just like what's going on with the sport it's you know why is it like this and you know th- this opportunity was fantastic for me to sort of put the foundations down for the the union you know with the business structure and things but also get involved with you know ideas for, for changing the sport down the road and um yeah so we started this back in january kind of putting it together um you know it's been a, been a lot of effort and we you know we're, we're far from finished you know this is only only the beginning and the, the foundations and you know i think some people have been been critical because they they've wanted to see a polished finished you know article but it's you know this is the beginning this is mm-hmm. just where we're starting from and you know we need everyone's help and input and positive criticism not negativity to mm. to help help take it in the next stage and, and really get this off the ground successfully so you've got some you know you got a lot of big names there you know you got tim o'donnell Miranda carfrey jody swallow rachel joyce meredith kessler um dirk bockle pete jacobs keenlay marybeth ellis and, and and others that are all on the the board there um and, and a lot of them are, are really vocal. I mean, they're obviously fantastic athletes, but a lot of them are, are some of the ones that do speak their minds. And there seems to be quite a bit of brain power in there as well in terms of, uh, you know, um, people like Rachel Joyce, you know, they're all, all, all smart people. Um, how do you guys work together as a group? And what's your sort of role? Are you sort of employed by them um, to, to, to really be the man who's, who's driving things forward and, and cheering the group? Yeah, I mean... It, initially for four or five months i was just doing this in my spare time um and it ended up taking up so much time i was like look guys you know i'm not sure i can carry on doing this it's a big job and um you know and the, the athletes in the end agreed to, to fund me to do it this year so they're you know they're really putting their money where their mouth is and and helping financially get this off the ground um you know they they stand to gain very little from this being Kona champions and Ironman champions and you know all aboard pretty much do great out of the sport they don't necessarily need this but they they're doing this because they're they're passionate about it and you know I, I, my role initially was just setting up the business structure and the union structure and you know, we've we've had an awful lot of help from uh, some guys at Accenture who are keen triathletes, keen age group triathletes, and they've really, you know, I couldn't do this on my own, and they've really stepped up and, you know, helped with the business structure, business planning, things like that. Um, you know, we've had a lot of help from a, a lawyer here in North Carolina who's a, you know, an Ironman triathlete, and you know, we, we've had a lot of help behind the scenes that. You know, I, I, I literally could not have done this all on my own. And, you know, we, we communicate just uh, emailing, Skyping um, just as much as we can. We we have a like a subcommittee, the executive committee, which is some of the athletes who are certainly putting in a lot more time and, mm. uh, you know, an effort. And, you know, Dylan in New Zealand is one of those guys who's, mm. you know, putting a lot of thought and feedback on this and, um 
so yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm behind the scenes, kind of co- coordinating it all. But you know, I think from now on, the the, the fact is that you know I need to step aside in in many respects because it's the athletes who need to make the decisions now. And I, I don't mean I don't mean the, the you know the the board of direct athletes. I mean every pro athlete out there, from you know new pros, low income pros, you know top level pros. Everyone needs to kind of chip in now and, and give their opinion of, of, you know, what do they want to see? How can we, you know, how can we develop this? You know, and you know, we we had a lot of feedback, some some good, some bad, and you know about things that need to change and that perhaps we could do differently. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the the bottom line is that this was just the founding group. It was not selected. You know, I, I didn't select these group these people and you know, and do it for myself. These athletes are doing it voluntarily because they want to help. So, you know, that's why these athletes are the ones you know, running it. And why am I here? Because they asked if I would help them. And, you know, that that's, uh, that's why I'm standing here now. But, uh, yeah, the, the next step is, you know, we've got a, a lot of work to do as far as listening to feedback and communicating with the athletes and, trying to sort of polish it and, and get it, you know, working smoothly. And, you know, you mentioned that the other unions in the past that have kind of failed and, and not got off the ground. I think, I think this time around there's, I think the timing's better. I think, you know, uh, I think the organizations are more prepared to sort of listen and, and they do appreciate there needs to be a better communications process. Um, I think we, you know, having the best athletes, set this up you know and be behind it is important because people are going to listen to those guys um and i think we've got lucky because we've had just so much support behind the scenes from volunteers you know business volunteers legal analysts helping us do this right and um so uh, So, that's that's my what are, what are yeah in terms of the the, the pros I mean I, I guarantee the number one um, issue people are going to want is is better prize money but what what are what are some of the key issues that you guys are sort of facing now that you guys want to try as a group to to try and make some change yeah I mean there's obviously the, like you said the obvious things like prize money you know they want more prize money and changes to you know, the rules of size drug testing and drafting and, mm. um, you, you know, and things like that. But yeah, I think we need to, we need to start before those things. There's a lot of other things need to be addressed. And I think a big thing is, is the professionalism of athletes needs to change, uh, you know, their, their attitude towards professionalism and, and how they conduct themselves as pro athletes. And, mm. You know, I think the sport now is it's much more of a business. So, you know, WTC, uh, you know, are in it to make a lot of money. And that's that's what they do. That's fair enough. But w- we have to approach them, you know, more as, as business opportunities. You know, how are we going to help them make more money? How are we going to help them bring participation up and, you know, and uh, develop their sport? Because ultimately that's what's important to them. So, mm. I think by us being more professional in the in the way we conduct ourselves and and the way we negotiate with with these organisations, that's I think that's the first step. Um, you know, and 
beyond that, it's it's having you know athletes want strong representation and and they want support. So you know, an individual athlete, you know, and I you know I could speak when I was a pro and towards the end of my career. If you had a complaint or a, you know wanted to address something, it, it, would your voice really be heard as an individual? Mm. Pro- probably not. You know, if you have a complaint about prize money taking too long to get into your bank account your complaint really goes unanswered and I think that's what we can bring is you know addressing things like that and and really representing the athletes with issues like that Mm. um you know I think athletes also need need help and support with things like they they get into difficulty in a in a situation in a country and and need help we need to support that um you know and we need to develop the you know the entry level pros and the, and the structure of how do pros step up from age group to to initially being a pro to being a, an elite pro and making a lot of money you know how how do they do that and you know all, all these things need addressing probably before we even look at you know oh we want more prize money and we want different drug testing rules and things like that so. And in terms of um, what's in it for the athletes at the moment, you know, if we go to protryunion.com, um, it seems like you know there's um, there's some good benefits for athletes initially joining up. So I guess if, if no, pro for the pro athlete, what's in it for them? Because that's often how people look at things. They don't think, uh, how can I help? They go, what's in it for me? Um, so there is some some initially some immediate benefits people can get, and obviously that a lot of the other things will grow. So maybe sort of talk us through what's in it for the athletes at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously, particularly for the the lower income pros, I think they've they've looked at it and gone, you know, why should I pay a membership fee and you know where does that go, and 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 what you know exactly as you say, what what's in it for me? Um, you know the the benefits are something that is still a work in progress, and we're and we're working to to put things together and you know finalize things and bring more to the table. And you know we need to you know always be doing that to make that better. Um, I think one of the biggest things we're offering is, is the accident medical medical insurance for pros when they you know particularly when they're training. Um, you know, I mean, I know some pros do have access to that from their federations, but, um, you know, we're offering very low cost insurance with a, a very quick, fairly high payout. And Mm. as far as I'm aware, like in New Zealand, although they have it, it's a fairly low payout, um, Mm. which, which doesn't cover, you know, enough if you have a, you know, quite a bad accident. Um, so we, we really wanted to make sure pros, um, you know, were, were covered and it was, you know, it was affordable, not, you know, not going to cost them two, three, four thousand dollars mm. Um, so I think, I think that's a big benefit to a lot of people. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, just the, the, the representation of, of, you know, if, if you're a new pro that no one's ever heard of and, and you want to have your voice heard by the, you know, WTC or challenge or the ITU, you know, we will take everyone's opinion. And if they have a good point, mm you know, we will have that direct communications with these organizations and sit down with them and argue that person's point for them. And I think that that's, you know, I hope that would appeal to, you know, the, the, the athletes out there that just feel a bit, you know, you know, less important right now when they shouldn't be. And, um, you know, we have to represent everyone in that regard and make sure everyone's treated equally and has a strong voice. 
Um, you know, the, the other benefits, um, you know, we're going to deliver um, training grants for, for pros that are, are struggling. And, you know, I think a lot of that will go in areas of, uh, you know, developing countries where there's pros who really cannot afford to even get out of their own country and race. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to help areas like that. Um, you know, we're working very hard right now to to put together um, a, a Grand Slam series, which will be a just a ranking series of every non-drafting race. You know, Xterra, Olympic distance, seventy point threes, Ironmans, and uh, it'll be a ranking um, that will have a big prize purse and. We, you know, we've put that up there as a benefit. We don't have a sponsor right now, but we're, we're very close to, to getting a couple of sponsors. So nice. ho- hopefully we will have that sorted soon. And and I think that, you know, is a big, you know, bonus for the pros just to, you know, they don't have to race anymore for that. It's just that we're going to just put money into the sport. Um, cool. So, so I guess yeah. um, in, in terms of the business model, um, you, know, you, you said there's, uh, you know, the, the pros are going to be paying um, a subscription each year to, to do that. So I guess that's in part how this is going to be funded. But what's sort of the, the business plan around this being sustainable long term? Because, you know, at the moment, you know, I, I know you've got a lot of volunteers in there. You're going to be the person that's going to be um, drawing a little bit of income from this. But, you know, it's going to, I think we all know that things like this grow in to these massive beasts very very quickly and um so what's sort of the, the business model around keeping it sustainable f- from from an organizational point of view yeah i mean we, we obviously looked at this you know long term down the road how how is it going to sustain and and you know i mean the the, the membership fees will will manage day-to-day operations so you know they're, they're necessary just just to mas- manage business you know operations long term um you know we, we do need to to draw in a title sponsor um just for the ptu which is it's a difficult one because it, it, it can't be conflicting with any athletes or any races and things like that um but we we feel you know we, we feel we do have a, a good opportunity for a title sponsor to, to you know to market themselves globally and um but that, that is something that ultimately, you know, that will affect things like, the, the, you know, how much money we can deliver for, you know, grants for developing athletes and things like that. Mm. Um, so that, that is important down the road. Um, but, the, the, but the basic day-to-day running, I mean, that, that's why there is a membership fee because people, mm. you know, people can't do this in their spare time. Mm. People need to do this by being employed. We need, you know, down the road, we need staff. We need a- admin staff. We need people working on communications and marketing and you know right now i'm doing pretty much everything myself Mm. which you know i'm gonna make mistakes i can't do anything perfectly and we we need staff to to run it successfully down the road so um you know that's why we have to have the membership revenue it's not because we're just lining our own pockets and being greedy it's just to, to make it run successfully and that goes back to why did other unions fail in the past because they were probably doing it in their spare time and mm. you, you can't do that. It's a, mm. you know, you've got to live and breathe this and it's a, a you know, full-time jobs and keeping people busy. Mm. Um, so. now, we know um, Challenger obviously incredibly supportive of this because um, Felix is just, the, you know, those guys always 
seem to be looking out for the athletes that always seem to be proactive and trying to make the best decisions for pros. Um, what has the response been from, say, ITU and WTC at this stage? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we basically equally have been talking to um, WTC and Andrew Messick and and also sort of keeping ITU in the loop. Um, you know, I think the ITU are sort of supportive, but they, you know, this doesn't really affect what they're doing. And, you know, they're busy delivering the Rio Olympics and, uh, you know, they've got other priorities. Um, you know, I think behind the scenes that they're already addressing some of the things we want to address, like the drug testing and things like that. Um, mm. So that, that they are being proactive behind the scenes with that. Um, you know, WTC again. They, they, they've been very supportive, and you know they've communicated with as well. Um, I think they kind of want to see how this is going to take shape um, before they take things any further. If they do, and um, but you know, we, we just we've had good conversations, and they you know they know that we're here to just communicate with them and try and help them as you know as well as you know them helping us. So. Um, the, the, the chat, I mean, challenge of just the, the attitude is just to help the pros and help the sport, and they've been very, very supportive from from day one. And but we, you know, we have to get across that we're not part of challenge, and this isn't, you know, anything exclusive with challenge, uh, anything like that. You know, we are independent. Um, you know, challenge agreed to. to to have all the athletes racing challenge to have the, the PTU membership. Um, you know, the, the feedback on that has, has definitely been mixed, um, which I can understand, but, mm. um, I, I think this is where we need, you know, this is from moving forward. This is where we need every pro to kind of give feedback and, you know, and we need to discuss that and, you know, people need to understand why it's a good idea. And then from there that we, uh, you know, we make further decisions on it, but um, uh, it's definitely you know people don't like to see oh I have to have a membership and you know that's going down the the, the Ironman route. But mm, um, mm. yeah. So so in terms of um, how our community can help you guys, um, I mean obviously if we've got uh, some listeners who have got a couple of spare million dollars, um, that wouldn't go amiss. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. but in terms of um, what people can do to, to support you guys and make sure that this thing doesn't doesn't fizzle out you know what can they do yeah i mean like i kind of touched on already we we need feedback from everyone so but you know constructive feedback positive feedback so you know age group athletes you know we're trying to make the sport better for everyone so you know how, you know what what do they think is missing right now from the sport you know may, maybe they think pros shouldn't be racing certain races you know maybe they don't want to see pros you know doing certain things but you know we need their feedback from you know their perspective of how they think can the sport can be improved you know all around for everybody and you know the the media we need feedback from them and you know ultimately we want to assemble in the next few months a, a code of conduct that will sort of be the, the the guidelines for professionalism and you know what what's expected of pro athletes and you know so so everybody knows you know what they can expect if they're getting involved with a pro athlete what they're going to get back and 
you know, we need everyone's feedback of that. You know, how would they like to see a pro athlete act and conduct themselves? You know, what would they like to see from pro athletes at races? You know, going mm. into schools more, helping kids, you know, things like that. Um, suggestions. That that's that's what we mm. need. No, it is. A, it's a very much an individual sport, isn't it? And often the pros too just they rock up and they think their job is just to to do the race um but as you said i think it's got to be a win-win you know w2c are more likely to listen if uh if you guys stump up to the table and say look we want more prize money and for this we're going to do xyz and uh and help you guys you know get more entries and stuff across the board so i think it's got to be a win-win situation and and that's um, yeah. I think some pros just need to get that through their their mind. And code of conduct will be great. I'm sure you'll uh, have lots of interesting discussions around drugs and stuff, given uh, the things that have come to light in the last week mm-hmm. around athletics. Um, yeah. Is yeah. anything else you want to get across in terms of um, anything we haven't discussed so far? Not really. I think we've covered everything. Just you know, like I said at the beginning, this this is just the foundations and. You know, we, we need we, we need positivity. We're trying to we're trying to help. You know, and we need everybody involved. And you know, if we're to change the sport, this needs to be a, a you know a group process. And you know, every pro will be heard and taken seriously. You know, you know the the voting process will take place. So pros will have their voice heard and can change things down the road. This isn't just going to be a closed group. Um. But yeah, we just everybody needs to stand together. All stakeholders really need to come together and say, you know, how can we help each other? And you know, rather than just one group trying to help themselves, it needs to be everybody helping each other. Awesome, Nat. We love the way you guys are going about things. Um, I know it's very early days, like one weekend, but you know, it looks like you've got the foundations of uh, something that could be really cool. And ultimately, you know, so much feedback we get is why aren't our pros, um, you know being uh, heard more and why aren't we having you know million dollar prize purses all over the place and uh, if we can do that further down the track as you said I think we'll have more superstars and um, you know draw more people into the sport and everybody's a winner so awesome work so far Rich and um, keep it up thanks John I appreciate it and appreciate your time thank you okay Jonbo we are back athlinks.com oh you're a sponsor you don't want to talk about the interview even though we haven't done it yeah, I can't talk about it if we haven't done it. <laughs> it's an amazing so. interview. Athlinks, tell me about Athlinks, John. Uh, let's go. We're going to talk about their Facebook page today because yeah. they've got some great things in here. <laughs> so go onto Athlinks, um, onto their Facebook page, give them a like because they've supported the show for bloody years. So give them, give them some love, give them some like, and, and they keep things uh, fresh on their page. There's usually something most days got to say they posted a picture on there on august the first and this is something i wouldn't probably do as a race organizer myself um the fact that it may elicit a irregular heart response they've got some they've got some off-road in the middle of nowhere running race trail race and they've got some the race organizer is hidden in a bush and it might not be the race organizer dressed up as a gorilla costume and is jumping out in front of people and they look like they're crapping themselves yeah and it's on really uneven surface like yeah. <laughs> you know like it's you think trail running with kind of rocks and stuff at your feet and this girl looks like she's fear crapping her undies yeah and yeah i'm not quite sure if that's a great strategy to get people to come back to your race it's funny oh gold gold if it's not you it would would wake you up if you were just cruising along and not really concentrating 
don't know if it's something I'll instigate at my races coming up. No. And they've got lots of other stuff on there. They've got uh, things about Leadville that's recently been on there, got, um, topics of controversy. They've got a picture up here of a mother jogging in her bikini, getting loads of hate online. Wasn't she a model? Uh, I think she was a model. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, and then just a whole bunch of other things. So if you're looking for a little bit of entertainment during your day, check that out on facebook.com and look for Athlinks or just go straight to athlinks.com. They can also do what is your running name. They've got a little page up there with all the different letters of the alphabet and uh, you can choose your uh, – so my name would be J is Spandex and my surname is N, so I'd be Spandex Nipple Rash. That would be my uh, running nickname. Well, I would be Blister Spandex Endorphoman. Man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They're not, nowhere near as good as our nicknames that we make up. No, they could do better. Must try so, harder. So check it out, athlinks.com. Make sure you get all your results up there. Keep them all in one place and jobs are good. In. Jobs are good. And athlinks.com, guys, make sure you check, check, check it out. Okay, we've got another interview up here. We, we interviewed Scott Molina a couple of weeks ago about heading over to the Keltman and that amazing race that it was. And uh, he's sharing it with us today. So here is Scott Molina. Guys, there is, there is a little bit of... Um, a little bit of cut out, cut out here. We didn't get Scott in studios. Bevan was away, so there is a little bit of cut out. So just bear with it. It's uh, there's still some gold in there, but there is a few moments where Scott does cut out. Yep, there we go. Here's Scott now. Okay, guys, um, we've got a man who has contributed a huge amount to the show as well as triathlon in general. He was dominating the dojo through the 80s and 90s, uh, just crushing and terminating all the competition over short course. And, nice uh, reference there, John. Good work. <laughs> good, as well as, uh, as well as winning the Hawaii Ironman in 88 and has been a big part of, obviously, Epic Camp over the years. You guys have heard lots from him before. And Scott Molina, welcome back to the show, Scott. Well, thank you very much. And before I forget, I want to invite myself to your 500th show, which is, I think, probably going to happen this year, maybe? Uh, or, yeah, or yeah, anyway, no, early... definitely. Five, we're, we're, I think today is well, 475, 476, so no, 500. Yeah. And we're expecting to see you on our 10-year anniversary camp next year as well. All right. I did hear a little bit about that, but we... uh, uh, <laughs> it sounds, sounds uh, big. It does indeed. Hey, so what, the reason we wanted to get you on today is uh, we had the Celt Man on a few weeks ago, and uh, that was on your bucket list of things to do. So um, you're sort of ticking them off quite nicely at this stage. So I guess uh, this weekend, or no, last weekend or this weekend coming up, we've got uh, Norseman as well, and so that's a, a similar type of event. So I, I guess my first question is, um, what was the motivation to choose th- that particular event in uh, in Celt Man? Well, I, 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 I have been doing a lot of the, you know, uh, tougher races around the world. They just, they somehow just grab me, you know, uh, and, and, and make me want to have, have a crack at them. Um, and this is going all the way back to World's Toughest in the early 80s. And, um, and it's, just, it's just one of those things. Like once in a while, a, an event will just grab me. And, and uh, Keltman was not on my bucket list, obviously, for very long because it's just a pretty new event. But... But when I saw um, the video of it uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was Stephen Lord uh, who told me about it on one Epic Camp once, and he said, look, you've got to check this race out. And when I saw the video, honestly, within the first 10 seconds, I just thought, that's it. i got to do this thing. <laughs> it's, it's just, and not, not only that, I've always wanted to go to Scotland and uh, have, have never been there. And so, so it, was, you know, it, was a good, it was a good excuse to go as well. 
So when you when you got there, um, you know, you've done events all over the show. Um, what was the the difference in terms of the feel for that event versus, uh, say, going to a, a regular Ironman race? Well, it's way way smaller. I mean. There is a lottery to get in. I think they were, they were allowed 250 people in the race. I'm not sure how many actually started. But it, it, it's a small, small event, very old school. I mean, we, when we went to the pre-race meeting, we're sitting on the floor of a gym floor. <laughs> we're, we're in a little gymnasium in a town of about 200 people, and you're sitting on the floor, you know, listening to the, to the pre-race uh, briefing, and it was, you know, it was just... It was just had this really old school, small feel to it, and but also the location. You know, it's just it's a very, very remote part of Northwest Scotland where the race is held, and so, you know, everything about it is small and and remote. What, what, what about in regards to preparation? You know, obviously it's it's an iron distance race, but it seems far more extreme than your normal Ironman. So, did you do anything in your preparation for this race than what you'd normally do? Yeah, I got in the cold water, which I hate. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a middle. It was middle of our winter, winter, and so I was hopping in the ocean here, which was ten degrees C. But but that, but that, the water was predicted to be somewhere between ten and fifteen. So you know, so it was realistic that we could get water, let's say ten or eleven degrees C, which which turned out to be the case. I think it was right dead on eleven degrees C, which is oh. bloody cold. Yeah. And, you know, and I I never. Uh, hop in the ocean uh, when it's probably below, you know, 18, 19. I, I swim in our ocean maybe six weeks a year when it's the warmest. So that was that was um, something I felt like I needed to do, and thank God I did because it, it it made me get all the warmest gear I could possibly find to, that, that I could still move in. And, um, and the other thing was it has a really hilly bike and run, but the run is super extreme. And so I did quite a lot of uh, steep uphill running and walking, you know, I usually don't do hiking in my training, but for this one, and uh, I did. So, just so talk talk us through how the swim went. You know, I've never, well, I've probably been in water that cold, but just trying to swim three point eight k's in in water that cold. Um, did you get that ice cream headache as soon as you got in, and did your hands freeze up and your feet freeze up, or did you were you used to it and you managed to suck it up and get through? Did so you get shaky? You know, like, did you get to the point where you're almost shaking because you're so cold? Well, uh, I, I was cold when I got out, but I had five mil booties, surf booties on. I had um, this neoprene vest under my wetsuit, and the neoprene vest had a, a, a hood built into it. And underneath that, I had another neoprene swim cap. <laughs> and, and so, no, I, I had on as much as I could possibly have. And so when, it, when you hit the water, you know, it takes your breath away, and your face is just instantly frozen. And uh, but I didn't get in until the very last second, and um, so but it was it was really cold. It does take your breath away. But um and and thank God it was a bit short too because I got out in about forty five minutes. So it was really closer to three k. Yeah. But um, yeah, I couldn't believe how little some people were wearing. I was looking at them, you know, bare feet, only one wetsuit, no neoprene cap at all, and I thought, man, you are asking for trouble. <laughs> Did it restrict your swimming? Did like you're wearing all the gear? Yeah, yeah, you feel like a Michelin man. You could barely move. <laughs> <laughs> and um, did you lead out of the swim? No, I was third, um, and um, which was very surprising. I thought there would be more better swimmers there. And uh, but but I, I I saw there was a lead kayaker, and so I just went for that lead kayaker as the 
to others. And because um, it was actually quite na- far to navigate. When you started the swim, you couldn't actually see where you were going uh, other than going around this big island. And so um, we were a bit lucky in that we, we got behind the lead kayak straight away and then we just pulled away. I think we were, you know, after four or 500 meters, uh, I looked behind me and I was, I was third in the line and there was nobody behind me. So I just sat on those guys, and the lead kayaker did go straight, and so I think it gave us a big advantage. Now, the bike, you said's hilly. Um, I, when I was looking up the Norseman course the other day, I think that's got 3,000 metres of, uh, of elevation gain on that. So maybe talk us through the bike, and again, sort of the differences between this versus an Ironman. You know, Ironman, you've normally got people around you, you've got aid stations every sort of 10 miles to 20 kilometres, and there's usually some support out there. I'm, I'm picking, A, that there's bugger all people out there, and B, um, yeah, maybe just explain a bit about um, how hilly the course actually is and whether it's big passes or just constant uh, smaller hills. Yeah, it, 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 it's just rolling remote countryside. So there is over 2,000 meters of vertical gain, but no big hills, no big mountains, um, just a lot, a lot of long rollers, uh, quite breezy out there. Um, but luckily we had a little tailwind. Really only the, the last 30K was into a vicious headwind. But, um, so it's, it's, it's gent- it was gently rolling. I mean, I, I, you never use your granny gears on that course. But, but there's, there's absolutely no aid stations except not one. And so your support crew looks after you the whole time on the bike. And so um, um, luckily I had uh, two of my buddies from Epic Canada uh, come along and look after me. And so the, the good part of that is you get whatever you want, whenever you want it. And so, so as far as aid, you know, uh, it's actually better than a and because you don't have to fight anybody at an aid station either, right? Because oh, it's yeah, it's so spread out, and so no, it's it's pretty quiet out there. Uh, my my bike ride took me over. It was a long, beautiful, quiet bike ride. Do, do do you like that, or do you prefer to have people around you? Um, you know, the the drafting in in big Ironmans drives me crazy now. It just yeah. I just I, I you know I can't stand that, and so. You know, these races, you just don't have that issue at all. I had one little group of four pass me pretty early on, maybe about 50, 60, 60K. Other than that, I didn't see any packs at all, more than, you know, and even 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 two riders riding together. So, so, so the run course sounds pretty gnarly. Um, tell us, explain kind of the course and talk us through what you actually do on that kind of run. Run slash walk. Well, this, the, the run... It, yeah, the run the run course is what really separates this race from all other Ironmans, including uh, Norseman. Norseman finishes up a mountain, um, so you don't actually have to run down uh, any extreme terrain. Whereas in this one, you do. The run has about six thousand feet. Uh, oh, well, it's well over six, yeah six thousand feet of vertical gain. But the 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 scree slopes and the really rocky bouldery. Made this run, you know, so so much harder than any run, you know, I've ever done. I, I was out there almost seven hours for the marathon. Wow. The six, there was a 16k uh, point in the middle of the mountain run that took me nearly four hours. Wow, <laughs> 16k. And, and, and I was, I was honestly, I was only 
stationary for about two minutes of that whole time, you know, and, and I, so I wasn't mucking around. I wasn't taking any chances because I can't afford to break my ankles, but, you know, it it is really, really gnarly, and the, and the uphills, you know, I talked to some others who said, you know, who said, oh, if, if this was a fell race, you know, there would have been somebody running up, running up this hill, but it was a 3,000 foot climb that was, well, locally, like we have uh, trails like the bridle path, but it was steeper than that. You wow. know, it, it, yeah, it was an it was an hour hike straight up a mountainside where your heels are not touching the ground. So yeah, the the run was just incredibly beautiful, incredibly remote, and super gnarly. I was I was kind of ready for it, but but go, but going into this, I thought, ah, oh, worst case scenario, maybe I'll be out there five five and a half hours for the marathon, you know. And then when we get there, my my buddy Adam says, "Have you looked at the results of this previous race, Melina? The the fastest ever marathon." on here it's like 447 and i'll go oh i must that must have slipped slipped past me somehow (laughs) so you know that's when i started to realize how difficult the run was how was the body afterwards then you know like because obviously well you're tramping the the impact factor but obviously if you're not landing your heels you know achilles and calves and so how was the body well i was was pretty beat up i mean we had there was this one long section of rocky steps that you had to run down. It was probably four or five K, uh, maybe no, more like six K. And so you're running downstairs, you know, for a long, long time, probably about poof, 40 minutes. Wow. And so, and so that, that beat up my quads, you know, pretty bad. But, um, but I did train specifically just in steep up and downs. Um, and so I, I thought I prepared my legs as, as, as well as I could. And, uh, and the, the last 8K was on a slightly downhill, nice paved little road. And I was able to jog that. And so, you know, I, was, I wasn't nearly as messed up as, as I have been in, in other Ironmans. So I was, I was happy with the way my body held up. And it, it, it gave me quite a bit of encouragement to maybe take on a few more adventures before my legs actually aren't capable of doing this sort of thing. <laughs> so what was the, um, what was the set level of satisfaction for you when you'd, when you finished, um, you know you're not you're not winning races these days. Um, so, how, how, what was the satisfaction for you like compared to say when you have a you know exceptional day at um, at World Olympic Distance Champs? I know you got um, second or third a couple of years ago, or versus say when you're winning races. How, what, what's the feeling for you compared to to those days? Well, it's 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 pretty similar. I, I think maybe I appreciate more that I can, I can do these things, you know, uh, can still do them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, um, that my body's ho- holding up. Uh, so it, it was, you know, it's tremendously satisfying just to think, you know, that also that there are, uh, there are all these really cool adventures out there for me, you know, uh, finding this one and, and actually getting to the starting line healthy and getting through it, you know, m- makes me want to look around and, and tackle a few more adventures. So yeah, I, I I find it hugely satisfying. Certainly as satisfying as as winning races. So the, the, in terms of the future for you, and also maybe some future direction. You know, we had Barry Siff on the sh- the show a little while ago, and he was really talking about you know he thinks Xterra and those type of races um, really might start to take off. And you know, you've done this, and then you sent me through an email about you know uh, I think it's the Rockman, which is a, a funky sort of race. I think it's in Norway as well. And then you have Norseman, Swissman, and you've got more of these races that are not really races against the clock or um, 
necessarily races uh, that are hardcore against other people they're more more adventure almost almost going into that sort of adventure racing mold but um but sort of a, bit, a little bit shorter not multi-day races is is that the future for you and do you think it's um do you think it's got a big part of the future of long course racing for athletes that have you know done 10 ironmans and, and they're looking for the next thing yeah i, I do i mean in europe the off-road gnarly gnarly running you know, it's getting more and more popular. And, and certainly ultramarathoning uh, trail is getting hugely popular in Europe. And, and to think how hard these races are, you know, it's incredible to me that like an ultra trail Mount Blanc, 160K mountain rust, you know, they get 2,500 people. To me, it's, it's mind-boggling how, how many people want to take on these super gnarly challenges. And, and, uh, and the run-swim um, races that are popping up, um, are a good example of that. And so I think, you know, yeah, I think people are looking for different challenges. Um, for me, because of my ankles, I, I, I won't be doing too much of that sort of thing really. Cause I, I just, if I roll an ankle now badly, I, I might have my running career ended like Steve Gurney. So, so, um, so for me, no, that, I won't do too much of this at all, but, um, but I, I can see it becoming a lot more popular uh, in the United States. It certainly is is a, a new concept. You know, you don't see races like this at all in the USA. Mm. But in Europe, in Europe, they're growing like a weed. Mm. And so, what, what have we got left on your bucket list? You know, you've done um, you've done comrades. You've done this uh, this this crazy race. Have you got other things that are on your list that you that you are wanting to tick off? Are you you're not going to ride across America or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I need my sleep. I, I don't know how people do that kind of thing with, you know, with no sleep. The only, only one I've had on my list uh, since the 80s is, was the Leadville 100-mile trail run. And, um, and I'm not sure if my legs are, are going to be up to even training for that. But, um, but that's, that's the only old one uh, that I've had on there for you know, 30 years or more. But, um, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm, there are, there's always new races to do. And uh, I, I've really been enjoying bike racing for the Last decade, so so there's a, there's a few of those races and um, stage races in Europe uh, that that you can do as an age grouper, um, but uh, you know I've loved the camps over the years, so so maybe some more training camps or training holidays, not not races so much. I think um, you know like hikes and tramping and 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 group and group rides, group trips. You know that those are the more of the things that I, I I'm looking forward to now. Just, just random off this topic question. Uh, early predictions for Kona. <laughs> oh, um, good one. Um, it's, it's good. Whew, yeah, I, I'd have to say uh, the the German dude uh, who Frodeno. just ripped Frodeno. Frodeno. Oh my God! You know, you have to say he. he him and my two favorites. Um, uh, but but after Ferdinand's last race, uh, you'd have to say he's he's looking bloody good. So um, those two uh, in the men and in the women, um, in the women, I'd say um, uh, the little runner girl who Marinda runs Carfrey. Marinda. <laughs> little runner girl. <laughs> She's, You're gonna get a hard time about that one. Yeah, she's been a bit quiet lately, but I, I have a feeling that that she, you know she showed every time she fronts up there, she's ready to rock. Yeah. And um, and 
and uh, and, the, and the new Swiss Miss. Um, uh, what's her name? Daniela Reef. Daniela Reef. Yeah. She's she's obviously been on fire yeah. um, since since her debut last year. So the, I, I, I look for those two, uh, and 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 Rachel Joyce probably uh, you know is is maybe still got the fire in her belly to to actually win that thing. You know, she's got gotten every other place. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a good battle. So, anything else on your mind? Any other observations of where we're at, or, or anything that's in uh, happening in Scott Molina's world at the moment? Um, no, no. I've been swimming at Aqua Gym uh, lately, and uh, I was in the pool with Dylan McNeese yesterday, and um, and he's excited to um, go to Boulder. He's told me he's staying in a house with Cam Brown and someone else. So both of them are going to be staying in Boulder, prepping for Kona this year. Cool. And it, it still blows my mind that Cam even wants to go there. Um, <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's 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 got it. He's got to be in his bonnet about it. He's worked up about it. Uh, and and Dylan. Uh, that's really wanting to have a, a good crack at it, you know. Uh, it'll be his first time there, and so um, so it, it's it's good to see the the Kiwi guys are are still fired up and you know and making their mark in the in the world. Uh, you guys might not know this, but when I when I was working at Aqua Gym about 15 years ago, Dylan McNeese was a young kid in my squad. I took the dry land training i used to go to the gym and run and dylan used to kill everybody on the runs uh we used to do about five or six k runs and he would smash everybody and um he'd come back and he goes i hate running <laughs> <laughs> and i was like mate you should you should learn to like it because i think you could be a good triathlete yeah and, uh, he was about thir- 13 at the time and uh and there he was swimming next to me in the pool uh yesterday so i got a kick out of that Nice, cool. awesome. Oh no, it was fantastic to see you getting out there and uh, and being amongst it in Kelpman. And we look forward to hearing about the next Molina adventures. And um, no doubt we'll get some updates on the next plan in about twenty four weeks' time, or whenever number five hundred rolls around. Okay, looking forward to it, guys. Keep it up. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Love your work. Okay, Jumbo, we are back. Wait a second, let me put up my show notes. We are back, and we are good to rumble. What do you think about that Kelpman race? That sounds pretty phenomenal, doesn't it? It sounds cool. It's um, I've got to say, the, the the swims in some of these events do not sound appealing to me at all. It's just swimming in like ten to twelve degrees is just not fun. No, it's not. So um, yeah, no, I, I think those races. You know, they you, you talked earlier in the show about going to seventy point three worlds and blah blah blah. Yeah, there's there's a there's an appeal for me to go and race Fast. against really good competition, but. Yeah, the, the events in Kona last year just took a bit of a gloss off off it, and I'd, I'd equally enjoy going and doing a race like the Kelp Man or something like that, where it's just a bit more of a, a challenging day at the office and you're out there by yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's good to hear Scott's stories. Yeah, it is, it is pretty bloody awesome. Um, I love how Scott's also, you know, like the career of Scott's, he's really, he's probably the first person who's lived the whole triathlon life, if you know what I mean? Like, you know, because really Scott... There's never really been a period other than through injury where this guy hasn't done triathlon really, you know, from this pretty much his whole kid, you know, late teens to now. Mm. He's just, he's, what hasn't he done in the sport? And it's kind of cool to watch a guy who's just loved training and racing his whole life kind of get to this moment where it's now just about kind of the experiences you're going to have. And I know it's pretty admirable, isn't it? It is. And he hasn't been racing hugely over the last number of years, but. Man, he still just loves to go out there and train. You know, he's out yeah. training every single day for quite some period, and uh, he just loves being out there. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, Jumbo, questions. Okay, we've got an email through from a few people actually. Uh, and I'm sure many of you have actually seen this video of young Bailey finishing the Castle Howard Triathlon in the UK. Uh, pretty tearjerker, isn't it, John? It is. So we'll, we'll just post that on our website, maybe put it on Facebook as well. But it's a, it's a kid who's... Uh, Got a disability and managed to get through. I think he was seven or eight or something like that, and managed to get through a little tensy little triathlon that they had up there with the assistance of his of his old man. I think it was running along there with him. And when you if you have a look at the clip, he's sort of going down the finishing chute, and he's sort of got these little um, so like sort of crutches. With, hey. Yeah, and then he sort of got like a little. Um, a little sort of pram um, type support system to keep him upright, and then he he puts that to one side just to do the last couple of meters, and tries to run in and falls over a couple of times, and gets back up and runs in. So it was uh, very very cool. So, so we'll basically, it was a hundred meter swim, a four a four thousand meter bike, and a thirteen hundred meter run. He uses bike with stabilizers for the cycle, and then gets aid on the wheelchaired walker for the run section. But as you can see, he ditches he, he ditches it basically and decides to run. But the kid face plants like four or five times getting to the finish mm-hmm. line, but just gets up and keeps going. It's it's pretty bloody special. So we'll put that on the website this week. Also, just another photo I'll put on the website this week is Andrew Taylor sent through a photo from the world. Long distance ITU championships, and it's just a, it's just a great guy photo of four Kiwi guys over the finish line. I don't know it's just a beautiful photo because it kind of capsulates everything that triathlon's about. So I'm going to put that on the website this week as well. So John, good old Andrew Taylor. He's got his namesake in Christchurch. In Christchurch, Andrew Taylor's from Christchurch, and then there's another guy called Andy Taylor who was at my race that I was organising yesterday, and they're both pretty good. So you got Andy Taylor and Andrew Taylor from the same city racing head to head, and they're both pretty good. Oh, nice. Well, Pedro, also, just Pedro is, he sent me through, a, uh, he's doing a, a fundraiser for the same cause that Gary Fagan's son has got, mm-hmm. the problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, can you can we tweet it? I said, I'll say it on the show. So if you want to help fundraise for the same cause that Gary Fagan is doing with his son, um, you can, I'll put a link to it on www.imtalk.me, and he's just doing this Dublin 70.3, and he just thought, you know, it's another way to fundraise for a good cause. Jombo. The Bevan James Isles guarantee was proven to be correct last week, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the Bevan James Isles guarantee? I do remember the Bevan James guy. But did you say that nobody has done it? I might, The Bevan James Isles guarantee says it's highly unlikely that what I'm saying is true. And I said no one had did it. And so then we're, we're talking here about the uh, – because last week we had um first guy that we thought went – two sub-eight-hour performances in his first two races. Well, it turns so, out I was wrong. Yes. Because CB had did it. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Sebastian Keenley did it. Ah. Yeah. You didn't send it through that one. Oh, did I not send that through? Basically, John oh. Levinson emailed it through to me. So, have yeah, a look. John Levinson. So, yeah. So, my guess, I was like... So, it was Brent McMahon was the guy that did it. He did it that uh, I think it was Texas and, and somewhere else. So, he yeah, so, so here eight. we go. Actually, it's been done before, courtesy of current world champion, at least assuming you aren't carrying Ironman dot races. So, Keenley did... 7.59.06 for second place in Rote in 2010 and that's when Rasmus Henning won it and then in 2011 he did Rote again only his second iron distance race and he was seconds to Ray Lert world record time at the time and he did a 7.57 so it's interesting mm. you took a year in between races mm. On the girls' side of things, though, we doubted if any girl had done it in their first two Ironman races Sub-9? And- 
sub nine. And Paul Silky Smooth Williams, he went away and did his research. So this is the Paul Silky Smooth Williams guarantee. We're not taking any responsibility no, for this. My guarantee. But he said he went on to Torsten's try rating from Kona 2014 and the only woman to go sub nine in their first two Ironman races or Iron distance races was Yvonne Van Verken with 8.51 in 2007 and 8.45 in 2008. So there you go. And he also said that Jody Swallow had second and third Ironman races sub nine in 2013 with an 8.58 in Germany and 8.54 in Sweden. Wow. That's pretty impressive, Good isn't it? research skills it's amazing, for It's amazing. I'll be honest. I would have thought more females. No, don't be honest. Be dishonest. Okay, well, I, I, um, I just think I would have yeah. thought more females would have done it. The sub nine. Because I think sub nine is a little bit more achievable for a female than a sub eight for a male. It's just, it's just so. No. Don't even you go there. Because I think probably maybe an 850 is probably the equivalent. Well, let's John, John Levison. I'm sure you can tell us how many women have been sub nine and how many men have been sub eight. Okay. Yep, John, there's your homework this week. <laughs> Check out try247.com and yeah. you'll be able to probably find it out for yourself. Yeah, it's pretty good there. Okay, John, but that's this week's uh, questions and answers. Patrons. Oh, you gave me one. Okay. These guys have helped out and we, we need your help, guys. To You can go in the draw to win a trip to Kona. Anybody who signs up to be a patron also helps the show roll on inter- uninterrupted. Um, we've got a new website and things like that. So you just keep the keep the wheels moving for us. And we've got Colette Coasting or Coasting Colette Andrews. You keep going because I didn't realise I had one I had to do. Okay. Um, a little while ago, we had um, Robin Trotman. He sent us in some information about uh, the access of drugs and things like that. I think Rob, um, Rob's a, a doctor and he was telling us you know, all the different costs and things oh, like right, that. Yeah. And uh, so I'm calling call him Mr. Big because he's got all the inside goss on how to, to do the drug taking. So Mr. Big, Robert Trotman. Okay, you're doing the next one as well because I'm still trying to figure out the idea. Okay. Uh, well, one that I'm struggling with, and you, you need to give me some assistance here because this is a stupid name. I don't know how I came up with this or one of us. Christine McKinley, our, our friendly yeah. dentist from Christchurch, pulled yeah. out one of Dave, Dave Dwan's teeth last night, last week. Oh, pulled this it out? Pro- yeah, pulled out one Dave, of Dave's. you should have been flossing. He should have been. We, I called her the smiling fin for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. Oh, no, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because she's smiling and the fin like a shark swimming. Okay. Is that what you thought? I can't remember what I was thinking. Mm. I think we need to do something. We need to do better than that. She's a okay. resident I am talk dentist. I was going to say the grinder, but that's probably not that good either, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Right, take I think the grinder. We're going with the grinder. The grinder, okay. Because <laughs> that could be that could be that could be grinding out the big gears. <laughs> Look out for Chrissy at the I am talk ten year anniversary party next year. Just grinding away. It could also be grinding into someone's teeth. Oh, okay. that's gold, John. The grinder right. it is. Change that one. The grinder. I right. found Paul Moore. Paul Moore. Mango Mad. There we go. Mango Mad Moore. Nice. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and Paul, to be honest, I got a random generator for that one. What so. was it? Mango. Mango Mad. Mango Mad. Mango nice. Mad Moore. And the final one I've got this week is Chris the Combustor Apple. Oh. Why the combustor? Because Chris came over to Kona for the uh, Epic Camp Light Camp this year yep. and probably wasn't quite as in tune as he needed to be. And he's a big guy, you know, big, tall, strong guy. And, man, he just was 
giving it to himself every day. Oh, really? <laughs> and just killing himself. And he actually got himself a bit Ill, uh, quite ill towards the end. Um, but he just didn't give up. He'd be, he was a big guy and overheating like you wouldn't believe. Um, but just stopped at aid stations, lay down for a while, got his crap together, and then kept on trucking, trucking along. So the combustor is sort of the com- um, like the combustion engine. So I'm calling them combustor because he's sort of heating up in the middle and then kind of just slowly exploding like a combustion engine. Nice. I like it. It's a good one, Jombo. It's a good one. Okay, guys, if you want to become a patron of I Am Talk, you go to www.iamtalk.me and you'll see there's our little patron link there. Go through there. You've got different options and depending on the option you choose, there's kind of different benefits and you all go into the draw to come to Kona next year with us. It's a pretty cool prize. Um, and just really supporting the show and doing what we do each week. So if you think this is value and it's a big part of your triathlon world, come and support the show. Jombo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Whatever Sandy said. Get on it. And our patrons. Okay, Jombo, watch your goss. Oh, I had a great day yesterday, Bevan. Tell me about it, John. So we JD? had the first round of the JD duathlons, and uh, it took Thomas. Thomas came out with me in the morning, so it was an afternoon event. He was out there all day helping set up and stuff like that. So Thomas is now the assistant assistant race director. Oh, yes, and it's it's called the JD duathlons, and Dave Dwan, who's the, the D tooth. out of J, J, JD, he's suggesting we change it to the JDT duathlons. Oh, that's a good one. And then the kids got to race as well, and Thomas had a fantastic sprint finish with a with a buddy from his soccer team. He got taken down in the sprint, um, but so much fun having kids racing. So we had a five- to eight-year-old's race, and we had about 20-odd kids there. Just, and last year, I had the kids go at the end. This year, we had the kids go off first, and uh, it was just so cool having all the other participants there sort of screaming and cheering as them, and they came in. They only race for, uh, I think it's six or seven minutes or so, but, man, they absolutely love it. It's great, great fun. Well, it just creates such a cool experience, eh? You know, mm. like a good memory for the kids. They'll never forget that. Mm. Mm. So, no, other than that, that was basically my weekend, really. I went to see Mission Impossible, Jombo. Oh, dun, dun, Tom Cruise. Dun, 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 it was... um Got three and a half stars in the paper, I think. Uh, I'd say four. Four mm. for the type of movie it is. You know, like, mm. it's, it's, it's not, you know, an Oscar-winning movie, but at the same time, it's a good... Popcorn movie. I enjoyed it. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. He uh, does a stunt at the beginning. Have you seen the stunt he does? No. He literally, they they put a cable on him mm-hmm. and he hangs onto a side of a plane as it's taking off. Mm-hmm. And he actually did it. And apparently he does it eight times. Oh, it's wow. it's pretty impressive. Like I went to the world premiere of... Uh, you went the to the world premiere? Of Mission Impossible. How the heck did and, that um, happen? It was in Hong Kong years ago. How did you get a ticket? I don't know. I was working... I, I can't even remember... And uh, back it up. And it, you've never told me this. <laughs> it was probably the one of the. It wasn't in a movie theater. It was at some event center or something like that. And they just did. The sound was so loud. There were people getting up and leaving because oh, really? it was so loud. Oh, it was really? just blowing. And yet, and it wasn't balanced loud. It was just blowing yeah. you into the back of your seat, and then you couldn't hear them speak when they're actually doing the acting. Mm. It, was, it wasn't the greatest experience. It was Tom there. I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, I can't remember the, the the details. He must have been though. He must have been. I wasn't really into. It. I just yeah. I can't believe you've you've been to a world premiere. Of, I've never been to a world premiere. I can't see myself yeah. ever getting to one. Yeah. And, and, and wow. And who, Lee Lee. What's the name of the director? Frank Frank Lee or oh, something no, like no, that. It was the second one, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Ang Angeli. Angeli. Yeah. yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He, he did Brokeback Mountain. Right. 
There you go. Yeah, so. so, how many? So you gave it four stars. Yeah, I'll say four. I'll say four. Good, good, good movie. Take, good. take the kids. Nice. Probably not my movie. Not take kids. <laughs> yeah. Anything else happening in your world? Um, you have to Wellington to work for the government tomorrow. Yep, your taxpaying money is going to a good cause, John. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Hopefully, I'm on the news next week. Everyone complaining about spending money on me. Yeah, good. Um. No, I'm back running again. It's good. So am I. Three runs last week, 15Ks each, about 15Ks most runs. So I'm back in the game. I did 30 minutes on the treadmill, John. Treadmill running is pretty bloody boring, I can tell you that much. Um, No, John, that's about it, really. Just back into life, back into the routine. It's a grind, but we've got to live it. Cool. Rightio, I'm Rust. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.